Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Finisce qui! Finisce qui! Il tempo dell'attesa è finito! Questo è il tempo di Napoli! Campione d'Italia 2023! Wow, wow, wow. It's finally happened. Napoli are the champions of Italy. It's not a surprise, guys. We all knew that this was coming for for ages and ages, didn't we? Um, it's the strangest thing that you wait 33 years um, to see a team win the, the Serie A title. And when it happens, it's almost sort of done weeks, maybe months in advance, it felt like, and we're just sort of waiting for it as something inevitable, when for so long it would have been the thing that felt as far from inevitable as possible that Napoli would win another Scudetto. I think lots of people genuinely felt like this was a team whose destiny, whose history as a as a title winning team was just forever destined to be bound up with Maradona and that iconic team three decades ago carried and and formed around his presence, his existence that um for anyone who's ever been to Naples, you, you know that I think it's hard to explain because I, I talk all the time about the superstitiousness of Naples because it's this very superstitious city in lots of ways. But it's it's something almost different to superstition, I think, as as lots of other cultures might understand it. It's almost this sort of blurring of the lines at times between re- what's religion and what's superstition, what's sort of popular belief and what's actual sort of actual sort of Catholic religion. And and that's how you end up with this sort of symbology that often feels very Catholic, that feels very much in that, what's the word? I can't find the word, in that aesthetic, but is actually then attached to to things like football, to the image of Maradona instead of the image of a saint, to shrines and acts of sort of religious service almost towards a footballer and what he represents in a city. And of course, then, you know, the, the sort of more frivolous parts of the, the, the things that people talk about and, and joke about, the fact that when they won the Scudetto last, there was sort of graffiti put up on graveyards saying, you don't know what you're missing. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an extraordinary collision of all these things. And, and I think that this moment happening in 2023 is is for a lot of people and I on opening opportunity to see to see all of those realities to see how those things collide I mean it's it's one of the most remarkable things I think with this scudetto that actually despite all the superstition despite all the scaramanzia the sort of feeling of not wanting to to jinx things actually in Naples they've been preparing for this title celebration for for weeks and months there were things being hung even around 
Christmas time, around the time of the World Cup even, when, when Napoli were on 15 wins and two draws from 17 games, so people are already beginning to hang signs celebrating this third Scudetto, which is crazy when you think about it, think about what that city's been through, think about five years ago when Juventus took it from them, even after the famous win in Turin and the celebrations that followed. Actually, people have been leaning into this one for a while. And, and I mean, very justified in doing so. We've talked about it at length on the podcast. Napoli have been the best team in Italy by miles. It's not been closed this season. And, and that beginning of the season really bears repeating, I think, because it can feel distant now. They have staggered towards the finish line. They have only won four out of their last nine games, including this one against Udinese. It's been a very different ending to this season to, to the way it started. But the fact is that they did have those 15 wins and two draws from 17 games. Then they came back from the World Cup and yes, they lost immediately to Inter. But actually, even then they win the next eight games. So, so I, I think we shouldn't confuse that loss to Inter with this wobble that's happened since. That was sort of an independent result, which then gets swept away with another series of winning after which nobody's left. Nobody was hanging on to them anymore by that point. So the title's been done for a while. And I think we've seen that impacting the performance. I was thinking about this again with reference to like conversations I've had with Mina recently. I was thinking about this sort of idea that perhaps one of the reasons they're dropping results now is just because they haven't got that competitive push. They haven't got that feeling of, oh no, we have to win. That, that thing that drives you the extra yard. And I was thinking back to Luciano Spalletti in, uh, I think it was February, after they beat Sassuolo, saying that he hadn't seen, because there was after a corner at Sassuolo, Sassuolo have a chance to counter and the entire Napoli team comes herring back to, to block them off. All 10 players, all 10 outfield players, giving absolutely everything they've got to make sure that Sassuolo counterattack doesn't go to anything. And as Blatty said at the time, I haven't seen anything like this in 25 years. 25 years as a manager, I've never seen a team do that to that level. And I think that's Perhaps, you know, the, un- the undertold part of this story, because when we talk about football, we talk about the, the, the superstars, we talk about the, the things that catch our eyes and catch our imaginations that are brilliant, the Kvaratskhelias, the Ossimens doing things that are out of this world. But in, in reality, the difference between a good team and a great one is often the application. There's talent everywhere. And I think the difference between a good player and a great one is often the application. There's talent everywhere, but making the most of your talent is something else. And that's that's the real truth of this Napoli team. They made the most of their talent to a, to a degree that no one would have thought possible before this season begun. Let's, let's you know, recap on that because it's been said so many times, you, you, it almost becomes sort of a thing you become numb to and, and we shouldn't. The start of this season, Napoli were not favourites to win the Scudetto. There were lots of people thought they wouldn't even finish the top four. I think I might have said that I didn't think they'd finish the top four because it was a time of enormous overhaul and transition. It was goodbye, Lorenzo Insigne, Dries Mertens, Kaladu Koulibaly, Fabian Ruiz, you know, your captain, your vice captain, your top scorer, Ruiz, who'd had this great season playing this creative role behind the attack. It was an extraordinary, you know, situation where I certainly wouldn't have um, expected them to get there. Napoli fans didn't expect them to get there. It's enough to think about the, the guy shouting, Svelia, wake up at, at Luciano Svelletti as he was having his squad introduction in July. But actually, you could go back even further and talk about the, the, the difficult relationships that Spetti sometimes have with his fan base. Of course, the season before, his, his Fiat Panda got stolen. And then there was a banner hung, I think it was in May, from Ultra saying, you'll get your panda back if you leave, basically, which who knows if those are really the same people saying that who actually had taken his car. But regardless, the fact that anyone hung that, that banner, it seems so crazy to think about now. 
And there's so much craziness in 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 those parts of the story. The the the, the relationships between the fans and Spalletti and De Laurentiis, the owner. We've, I've talked about that again at length recently because there was the whole saga leading into the Champions League quarterfinal second leg at home and Spalletti saying, look, if the fans won't shop to supporters, then I'm done, I'm out of here. And then De Laurentiis having his sort of public sort of show of reunification with the fans brokered by the Minister of the Interior, you know, crazy Italian stories. But yeah, this, this was supposed to be a year of, of, of transition for, for Napoli, or at least that's what a lot of us thought. And then the football started and it wasn't. And, and it wasn't because, yes, Kvitsa Karaskelia showed up and, and was something none of us expected. It was this magnificent footballer who captured everyone's imaginations, got that Kvaradona nickname. Perhaps we should have seen it coming even then, that this was the one man who could help us move on, get another title in Naples since Maradona it had to be Kvaradona. But the things he did, I think, especially in the first half of the season, and, and there's been some in the second half as well. But going back and watching again, I mean, I've just been rewatching the goal against Atalanta where he slaloms left and right, and you've just got these three defenders in front of him, like something out of a Benny Hill movie, running the one way, running the other way, and arms up in the air and falling over, and all the sort of almost slapstick element of it because he's just completely monstered them, basically, and, and given them no chance. He was magic. Victor Osman was magic. Um, I think about the goal he scores against Roma where the cross comes in. Of course, it was Kvaratskhelia because it was always Kvaratskhelia and, and him. It was that combination that, that defined the team in so much of its best attacking play. But the cross from Kvaratskhelia comes from the left and Osman takes it on his chest and then takes it on his thigh and then volleys it into the roof of the net and it never touches the floor. And it's just, it's just who does that? Who, who does these, these things? And, and I think that's you know, that's, that's what I always think when there's a brilliant sporting achievement like this. I think it's so easy to get lost in the numbers, the numbers. Oh, 15, uh, 17 games unbeaten in that first part of the season. The eight game win after losing to Inter and they come back, pull out whatever other statistic you want. 33 years since last Scudetto. Uh, Luciano Spalletti, who is the oldest manager ever to win Serie A. And none of it matters as much as just how good they were to watch to me, you know, how they they made you feel and, and, and the way they thrilled you. And, and yeah, for that, Krad Scalia, Ossiman, I mean, Victor Ossiman has been one of my favourite players to watch for a long time. But I think this season, just being fit and um, not having another eye socket fracture, not having another dislocated shoulder, he still missed a bunch of games. Um, he's, he's still missed, I think, seven games in Serie season, but is far and away Serie top scorer because, because he's that sort of player and and I was so happy for him that he got to have that moment of scoring the goal that, that sealed it. That got the goal against Woody Nersa to get the one or draw. Parte Elmas con il destro, palla in mezzo, il colpo di testa, poi Anchissa si coordina, la rimette in mezzo, a caccia della deviazione, Quaraschelia, la risposta e poi il piazzato! Osimen! 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 52 minuti! Osimen! Il tapin vincente! That moment of running to the fans and hammering on the, the barrier and and it took me a moment to realize because I thought was he just thrown off the mask because he's like wants to enjoy this moment without the mask on. But no, he'd actually broken his mask, slamming it against the barrier. Brilliant, magical, just oh. Those are the moments the sport is about for me and, and I'm so happy for him that he's got to have that moment. But 
the reality is that this is definitely more than just those two players. It is Lubotka, who we've talked about lots on the podcast, the orchestrator of things. It is Anguissa. I think Anguissa is such a brilliantly different footballer to anything else they have. I think the way he he drives from midfield, the way he can dribble out. He's done less dribbling this year. And I think that's reflective of how the team has changed and evolved in something cleverer than it was before. But he's got it when he needs it. And and the way that he reads the game and, and wins the ball, intercepts the ball without making tackles in midfield. Brilliant, brilliant player this season. Jelinski, who uh, of course like Alex Marek, joined from Udinese, by the way. And, and um, yeah, his his role, just playing those passes at the, the front of the midfield so often and what, seven assists this season, I think it is. Wonderful seasons for all of them, but also wonderful seasons for Di Lorenzo, the club captain, one of the most consistent fullbacks in the league. Oliveira and Mario Rui alternating on the other side. Obviously, uh, Kim Min-Jae in defence and Rahmani with him. Alex Merritt, who's just grown and grown in goal. I mean, you think when they bought him, a few years ago, it was a lot of money they spent on him relatively. I appreciate this doesn't sound a lot compared to what some other clubs in Europe spend, but it was 25 million euros or so. It's a lot to spend on a goalkeeper. And he hasn't jumped straight into to looking like the man who's worth all of it. But this season, he's got better and better. He's grown into that, that role. And, and you can just keep going, can't you? Because it's not just the, the lead actors. It is Irving Lozano who had some great games on the right and, and is one of those players who I think really embodies what Napoli can do to you, which is the slow, slow, quick, that ability to, to accelerate and, and change the, the shape of things by, by just having a burst of speed. Politano's had some, some really important games. Obviously, Giacomo Raspadori and Giovanni Simeone, the, the job they did, especially when um, Osman was injured at the start of the season, but just in general, the presence in the squad, I think every member of this squad deserves their accolades. Um, because it is a team achievement and it's it's been magnificent. And I think above all, Spalletti deserves his accolades and he deserves his moment because he's been doing it for such a long time and leaving such an impact. He was always going to be a, a manager who was remembered for the impact he left because of what happened at Roma, because he was a guy who moved Francesco Totti into that false nine role and and came up with the the strikers four six zero that 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 so much was borrowed from and stolen from by other managers down the years. But yeah, you know, he'd, he'd won the Coppa Italia twice. He'd won the Supercoppa. He'd gone to, to Russia and, and won the league there with Zenit. But to have this moment, to have the, the Serie A moment, it completes something for him. And it was really sort of touching seeing him getting choked up, talking about his family and, and things they'd said to him at full time as well. And clearly an incredible season for him. And I think he's managed this sort of last awkward bit quite well because there has been a stumble towards the finish line. And the way he sort of framed that as, oh, well, we're just enjoying the moment for longer, never letting himself get anxious, never letting himself get caught up in, in anything sort of deeper about it or letting his team get unsettled, even, even as things weren't quite going as perfectly as they'd hoped for. Wonderful manager getting to have his moment. But I also sort of wanted to say something because I've written about this game tonight and I had a word limit. And so I didn't get to say some of the bigger picture stuff that I sort of wanted to, to talk about. And I, I think... There's something I sort of want to to articulate that I, I haven't quite cleared all the way in my own head yet. So you're going to have to bear with me. But, you know, th- there's this idea of the surprise which I've talked about and that none of us saw this season coming, which I, I didn't. But I also think you can't look at this success and say it came out of nowhere. You know, Aurelio De Laurentiis took this club over in 2004, saved them from bankruptcy. They were back in Serie A in three seasons. 
But since then, there's been this sort of continuous evolution that's gone through different sort of distinct eras. You know, there was the team spearheaded by Cavani and Lavezzi who muscled their way into the Champions League last 16 in 2011-12. It's their first time playing in the Champions League since Maradona, which of course back then it was win the league where you're not into it. So they, they, they muscled into the competition with, again, a couple of sort of brilliant players in their prime. Cavani was a monster at that time before he'd, I think, achieved the international recognition he would achieve. But I thought he was brilliant that season under Walter Mazzari of all people. And they, they went to the last 16 in the Champions League and they gave Chelsea all they could handle. Chelsea went on to win that competition. Napoli were 3-1, beat them 3-1 at home. And if you remember, it took an absolutely heroic stop from Ashley Cole to stop them from going 4-1 down in that tie. Now, Chelsea were much better in the second leg, but if it goes 4-1 in the first leg, football history is different at that point, right? That, that's, um, you know, a sliding doors moment. Did Chelsea ever win the Champions League? But, but they were brilliant that season. And I remember being so impressed with them in that Champions League moment. And it was a moment, right? It, it got split up. Cavani leaves. It, it, the story moves on. But then you get this next chapter, which is Rafa Benitez. And that was a deliberate move by De Laurentiis to hire a big name manager who he felt like could persuade star players to join the club. And you see those big names come, Higuain and Callejon. And I, I never quite know where to go with that thought of would those players have joined without Benitez. But that's certainly the story that Napoli have told. It's a story that De Laurentiis tells of that, you know, I got this manager and that's what brings them in. And, and everything flows on another step from there, right? So Higuain is there and they don't perhaps hit the heights that everyone hoped they would under Benitez, but then Higuain is still there when Sadi arrives and has the most prolific scoring season of, of any Serie A player ever. And then it's Mauricio Sadi's team and, and Higuain goes, he goes to Juventus, but a new team is formed. You get the team of Dries Mertens, Lorenzo Insigne, Jose Calajon, the marvellous Smurfs, as we called them. Puffi Maravigliosi. Uh, I think that was Gazzetta who said that first. And, and then I put it in an article and, and I think then someone quoted me on it, which was funny how that these things go. But yeah, that wasn't just us calling him Smurfs. The Smurfs was, was in lots of different places. Puffi. But yeah, the little, the little, I don't know, the little blue trio running rings around everyone until they get caught under the wheels of that Juventus juggernaut. It's just steamrolling its way towards, was number seven, I think, of the nine consecutive Serie A titles. And this sort of moment of unbearable disappointment that Napoli fans go through, they, they get to beat Juventus at the end of the season and all they need to do is keep themselves focused, stay on track and, and hope that Inter or Roma can do them a favour in that last part of the season. But then Juventus do beat Inter and it's controversial and they lose their heads, Napoli, and they lose to Fiorentina. Just such an unbearably crushing moment. And you think, how do you recover from this? And and the truth is that that team doesn't, you know, that team doesn't ever get back to 91 points again. It doesn't ever take another step. And then it takes another evolution in this series of evolutions. You have to get to that painful point of tear it up and start over again. Goodbye, Insignia, Mertens, Koulibaly, as I was talking about before, and hello instead to Victor Osman, Kvitscha Kvaratskhelia, everyone I've just been talking about for this whole rambling voice note. I think there's something so wonderful and sort of courageous in the way that Napoli have managed themselves and done it all while pretty consistently running a tight ship financially. Not perfect. There have been times when they've overspent. De Laurentiis talked about even Osimhen as perhaps a gamble he shouldn't have taken given COVID. I think now he wouldn't regret it, but he said that in the past. You know, you look at this this year with that overhaul, we're cutting the wage bill by. I've seen it reported different amounts of different places. And that's, of course, inevitable because 
um, we don't actually know exactly the players' wages. It's all based off sort of a sort of information. The club don't publish their wages and hand them to you like a nice document. But you know, somewhere between sort of 15 and 30% cut the wage bill for the season and, and getting rewarded in this most extraordinary possible. 33 years for all the Napoli fans who listen to this podcast. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you're loving it either if you're in Naples with the absolutely extraordinary fireworks I've been looking at just before recording this some incredible scenes with the fireworks in Naples just literally everywhere I mean I <laughs> quietly thought to myself good god I can't imagine what it'd be like to live there with my dog who hates fireworks I think he'd be traumatized for life so I'm quite glad he's not there but something else like it's from a movie like you just couldn't see the sky beneath them all so if you're in Naples I hope you're loving it if you're not in Naples I hope you're relating to it in just as enthusiastic a way I hope all our Napoli supporting listeners are enjoyed with this moment and if you're not a Napoli supporter I'll leave you with this thought the last four seasons Serie A has had four different winners we had Juventus Inter Milan and now Napoli so even if you're not a Napoli supporter I think you can reflect on that and think it's a healthy thing and a positive thing for the league and for Italian football to be a competitive environment where that can happen four different winners in four years I love covering it and uh, I look forward to talking about all this stuff with Mina on Monday. But that's enough from me, I think, rambling tonight. And uh, I'll see you guys all then. All right, gang. Bye. Anche se la squadra è utile e non qui. Ma non mi interessa proprio, basta vincere. Basta festeggiare con i nostri campioni. Via, via! Non l'ho mai vissuto ed è bellissimo. Grazie, grazie Napoli, grazie. Devo di morire e non poter dire non c'è due senza tre. Stasera posso dire è arrivato il tre. Grazie. Sports Social Podcast Network.